Welcome back, people, to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is SGR 102, and we are breaking down week two of the NFL. Before we jump into our week two picks, we got to take a second to acknowledge what an absolute heater I went on in week one. I told you guys I wasn't fucking around. You know I did my research this summer, locked myself in a room with a notebook and a laptop for two months here, and it looks like it uh, paid off quite a bit. Pick every game against the spread and over under. Went 12-4 and four against the spread in week one. Went 13-3 and three on over-unders in week one. I told you guys I'm going to be releasing my top three spread picks, over-under picks, and upset underdog picks each Sunday. This week, I went 3-0 and on top spread picks. We had the Texans plus seven. They tied the Colts 20 to 20. We had the Steelers plus seven. They beat the Bengals in overtime 23 20. And we had the Chargers to cover three and a half at home. They won by six, beating the Raiders 25 to 19. For our top over under picks in week one, we also went three and oh. We had the under in the 49ers Bears game. The rain certainly helped us. That was a slugfest, 10 to 19, the final score. We had the over in the Chiefs Cardinals game. That was a shootout, 44 21. And we had the under in the Steelers Bengals game. Really had a great read on that Steelers game and that Steelers team in week one. The over under was 44 and a half, and they scored 43 points. So that is a clean sweep on over unders as well. As far as the upsets, went one and two, okay? We had the Steelers. We were all over that. I took the Jags, thought they were going to win. Wentz actually pulled out a win in the last couple minutes there, fourth quarter drive. Uh, solid game. The Jags put up a fight, but, you know, couldn't close out. And then for some reason Sunday morning, I talked myself into the Cardinals even though on the podcast I was on the Chiefs, I did change my mind on, I think, uh, maybe one or two games here in between the recording of the podcast and Sunday morning. So that's why it's important to follow uh, Sunday mornings on the Instagram at SGRpod. But again, you know, no worries. We're not going to hit every upset pick that we take here. I'm taking, you know, the Cardinals were a plus 220 money line. Steelers were plus 250 money line, and we hit that one. So, hey, I'll take one and two. You know, there will be better days ahead. There will be worse days ahead. As far as my personal bets and the gambling picks that I gave out to you guys on Sunday, 100% on gambling picks in week one, guys. We went 8-0 last Sunday. 8-0. I did not give out any picks for the Bills Thursday night game. I did not give out any picks for the Broncos Monday night game. So we got off to an 8-0 start last week. I'll run you through the gauntlet real quick. Steelers plus 7 at Bengals. Texans plus 7 versus the Colts. Dolphins minus 3 versus the Patriots. Vikings minus 2 versus the Packers. Chargers minus 3.5 versus the Raiders. Bucks minus 2.5 versus the Cowboys. And then we had a couple of unders and overs here. The under in the 49ers game, the over in the Chiefs game, like I said. <clears throat> 8-0, guys. 8-0. Um, yeah, not bad, right, for week one. Not a bad start. Hope you guys followed along. Hope you guys didn't wait a week to see if I know what the fuck I'm talking about if you're a new listener or a new follower here because we absolutely crushed it in week one. Uh, now I want to take a second to uh, talk about last night's Thursday game. Just acknowledge it real quick. You know, I don't give out uh episode content for the thursday games i record on fridays obviously all my coverage for the thursday night game goes up on the instagram page as well i cut a three minute video yesterday 
giving out my picks for the uh, Thursday night game. I ended up picking the Chargers plus four and a half on the spread. I ended up picking under 53 and a half for the total. The Chiefs ended up winning 27-24. The Chargers cover on a beautiful backdoor cover by Justin Herber and the, and the Chargers offense there. That throw on the fourth down to just, I think it was DeAndre Carter, just a dart on a post route. Um, down down the field there for I think a thirty yard pickup on fourth and one to put together that garbage drive and hit the back door cover. That's a that's a thing of beauty there. And then of course the under hit as well. So yeah, hit both of those. I am now four and zero against the spread and over under on primetime games this year. So we are killing these island games, these isolated nighttime games. It's also worth noting. Uh, the under in primetime is 4-0 and so far this year. And if you look back to last year, uh, the under started out 6-0 and in primetime in the first two weeks of the season. Uh, we've got three more primetime games this week. There is a Sunday night game, and then there are two Monday night games that we will discuss later in this episode. But it is worth noting that in week one and week two of the last two seasons, so far the under is 10-0 and with three games remaining. Thursday night, I gave out three bets. I hit my Chargers spread pick, and then I lost two player props. And I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a little mad at myself because we would be nine and zero here if I didn't fuck around with these stupid player props. You know, I get I get uh, tempted with these Thursday night games. It's so easy to just you know take a uh, anytime touchdown or a rushing prop or whatever. So I took Eckler's rushing props. Ended up uh, not working out for me. Team didn't run the ball once in the last eleven minutes of the game, unfortunately. And Pat Mahomes, I took to throw an interception. He threw three in the game, but they all got either, you know, dropped and overturned by replay or called back for penalties. So, unfortunately, didn't hit that. But on the uh, year so far, 9-2 and two on gambling picks t- given out. And overall, on game picks, 13-4 um, and four against the spread, 14-3 and three over under. So, we're doing all right. I'd say we're doing okay. So that's it for the, uh, you know, kind of uh, housekeeping work there. A little bit of recap of last week, a little bit of recap of Thursday night. I am getting ready to pick week two. So let's fucking dive into it. So most of you who listened to last week's episode probably noticed that it was a very trend heavy episode. I had a lot of general trends for week one of the season, and this is going to be very similar this time of year. The first couple of weeks, specifically the first three weeks of the season, I rely pretty heavily on historic trends um, because we tend to see the same patterns repeat themselves on a year in year out basis as far as how these uh, spreads are being perceived and how they're playing out in early September. Uh, week one is generally about um, you know being able to capitalize on how uh, teams have changed over the offseason in which the general public have not caught up to these changes, a la the Vikings looking way better last week, like I talked about all summer, specifically on offense, uh, with Coach uh, Kevin O'Connell coming in and maximizing Jeff- Justin Justin Jefferson, excuse me. That's just one example, you know, week one, 184 yards. What the fuck do I know? That's one thing that you can do in week one. And then in week two, what we're going to be doing is kind of fading our week one action and, and the results of week one. You know, you want to just kind of do the opposite. A lot of these picks this week and a lot of these trends are going to be related to 
teams that either lost outright last week or did not cover and just were overall disappointing in their week one performances. It's very much a buy low, sell high week here in the NFL. So you're going to hear me give a lot of trends out in this episode, and you're going to hear me repeat a lot of trends in this episode. It's just what we do here. So let's get into the first game that I want to talk about, and I definitely have some week two underdog trends that apply to this situation specifically. I'm starting this episode off with our uh, Monday night doubleheader here. I'm getting to Monday night first here. So, you know, we do we do whatever we want here at the SGR. Um I'm going to bounce around quite a bit. I am not going in chronological order from Monday through, uh, excuse me, from Sunday through Monday. So let's do it. Titans, Bills here. So we got the Bills as uh, home favorites here, nine and a half. It's their home opener in Buffalo, over-unders 49 and a half. Tennessee coming off a loss at home to the Giants. Buffalo coming off a blowout win over the Super Bowl champion LA Rams on national football. This is absolutely a buy low for me on Tennessee. It's not so much a sell high on Buffalo because I do think that they're legit, but the public perception here is so low on Tennessee after blowing a 13-point lead to the Giants, who is also perceived to be a terrible team. And Buffalo stock can't get any higher right now after blowing out the Rams on national television. So I'm going to fade the public here. Um, I've got some trends here to back up my pick of Tennessee plus nine and a half. Week two dogs off a straight up loss, 61.5% against the spread since 2015. Uh, Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel as an underdog of three or more, 18 and six against the spread as a head coach. Um, Excuse me, I lost track of that. Get rid of that. Week two underdogs that lost straight up as a favorite in week one. We are talking about the Titans here. Also 61.5% against the spread. 32, 20, and 2 in their last 54 games. And then this one is an anti-Bills trend here. Um, Not so much about the Bills specifically, but they fit the mold. Since 2005, teams that scored 28 or more points in week one have gone 54, 83, and 4 against the spread in week two. That's a cover rate of 39.4% against the spread, which means a hit rate of 61.6% when betting against those teams. So we have a couple of trends here, upwards of 60% historically, that back the Titans in this spot. And I know that it's tough to bet against this Bills team, but I like the Titans to make this a physical game. I know the Titans last year were a different team, you know, with A.J. Brown and and some of the pieces that they've lost. They've had some injury problems on defense, losing Harold Landry already this season. But this this Titans team, again, Vrabel, 18-6 and against the spread as a dog of three or more. They know how to fight. They know how to keep games close. They know how to make games ugly and physical. I think they'll provide some challenges to this Bills team um, that, quite frankly, the Rams weren't able to do in that opener. You know, I'm fading. I'm zigging and I'm zagging. Uh, To back up my point about maybe the Titans being a... uh, Um, able to keep this one a little closer, a little bit more physical. Uh, The under in this game at 49.5 is getting 63% of the money, but only 43% of the bets. And I'm going to be referencing figures like that a lot in this episode as well. Whenever you see something, let's round these numbers, 45% of bets, but 65% of money on one side. 
it means that bigger bets, larger amounts, sharper betters are coming in on that side. So whenever you hear me talk about a cash split like that, to me, that's one of the main indicators I look for. Sometimes you're not going to know everything about these games, but if you end up being able to locate where the sharp money is headed, you can more often than not just kind of side with, with the sharp guys out in Vegas that are doing this professionally, and you'll come out on top if you side with the books and if you side with the sharps. So my pick for Monday night there is the titans plus nine and a half this number is just too big it's just too much of an overreaction between the bills winning last week and the titans being very disappointing last week i know the titans looked gross but the nfl is a week-to-week league and that's going to be the theme of this episode so give me the titans plus nine and a half to keep it closer than people think in buffalo on monday night Now on to the second game of that Monday night doubleheader. I want to talk about my birds here for a second. And yes, I'm picking the Eagles in this game. I'm picking them to win this game. They're hosting the Vikings. They are currently a two and a half point favorite at home. The over under is 51 and a half in this game. It kicks off at 830 on Monday. That Bills game that we just discussed kicking off at 715 Eastern time. So we got You know, a little double screen action on Monday. Can't wait for that. And honestly, being an Eagles fan that lives in Western New York, I get to watch the Eagles and Bills at the same time. That's pretty awesome. Why am I picking the Eagles here? Well, first, I'll give you the other side. Like, if you're trying to come at me as a, as a Vikings better here, I'll give you something to play a little devil's advocate. Um, back to our week one, you know, fade trends. Uh, I mentioned um, that, that trend on Buffalo. Since 2005, teams scoring 28 or more points in week one have gone for uh, 39.3% uh, against the spread. 39.4%, excuse me, in week two. On top of that, it gets even worse for teams that also allowed 28 or more points. So these are teams that scored and allowed 28 or more points in week one. Uh, In the last 40 occurrences, um, they are 37.5% against the spread, 15 and 25 against the spread. So you don't necessarily usually want to buy into... Um, you know, teams, I guess that won in a shootout in week one, because maybe they were just playing a bad team and able to score and their defense wasn't able to hold up. And you could make that argument and that narrative for Philly here, totally get it. And the Vikings did look good. To be honest, I'm a little bit more nervous about this game than I was, you know, in the off season looking ahead to this because of how good the Vikings looked specifically the connection to Justin Jefferson looked and I I sit here and I think you know that Packers defense is really good to be honest they're better than the Eagles and specifically in the secondary they're better than the Eagles so are we going to be able to contain Jefferson I have my concerns there for sure Uh, That said, let me back up my case for picking the Eagles here. I've talked about the cash splits, and this is one of the biggest of the week. I am seeing right now 79% of the money on Philadelphia while they're getting only 30% of the bets. In what world is this Eagles team only getting 30% of the action as a, a home team in their home opener in primetime against the Vikings here. If you guys haven't remembered, Kirk Cousins not very good under the lights here. 10 and 18 straight up in primetime throughout his career. I I just, the money splits, the situation, the home opener, I don't think this Vikings team is going to be ready to go. That Eagles-Philadelphia crowd on a Monday night home opener, it's going to be too hostile of an environment. This is also, let's not forget, Kevin O'Connell's only second game as a head coach, first road game, and it's going to be in this environment. 
Oh man, the the Vikings fan base is way too soft to know what they're getting into here in Philly. So I'm going to have to go with the Eagles. I want to mention this trend. It's not something that I'm playing on or against this week because the numbers to me are not that overwhelming. But I want to put this out there because it's something I found this week. I just mentioned it's uh, O'Connell's first road game as a head coach. And I have seen rookie head coaches in their first career road game in week two of the NFL season are 12 and six against the spread in their last 18. Now, they were 0-2 in that situation last year. But before that, they were on a 12-4 and run. So that's part of the reason why I'm not really acting on or against this. It's just something to keep your eye on. It also applies to the Dolphins with head coach Mike McDaniel this week. So I'll bring it up again when we break down that game. But my official pick here for Monday night is going to be the Eagles. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites right now. They actually, uh, this line, I believe, has gone up a point this week from one-and-a-half. And again, full point of line movement with only 30% of the wagers. We got almost 80% of the cash, and that is sharp money here. Give me the birds at home to go 2-0 to start the season. Let's keep it rolling with these primetime games as uh, for some reason I've decided to start this episode working backwards chronologically. We're going to hop right into the Bears-Packers Sunday night matchup, 8-20 Eastern time. The Packers at home here, it's their home opener. They're minus nine and a half point favorites over the divisional rival. 42 and a half is the over under. And this is another massive buy low, sell high with a huge money split. Now, the first game we broke down, Tennessee-Buffalo, team off a loss versus team off a win and a cover as a favorite. The last one here, uh, two teams that won last week, so it's really more of who do you think is better in that Eagles game. This one, easy situation, buy low on the Packers, sell high on the Bears. I told you guys all summer the Bears are a bottom five team in this league. They needed a monsoon last week. Noah's Ark couldn't get Trey Lance off that fucking field safety last week. It was, it was absolutely just... The perfect storm for them to be able to come out and, and sneak out a win here, basically steal a win from that 49ers team with Lance so early in his development and the weather just making that, you guys understand my point, just a shit show last week. The Packers, yeah, they looked like shit against the Vikings. I don't care. Throw it out. They started last season getting blown out, I think, 38-3 to by the Saints as well. They don't start fast. You know, Rodgers and Brady teams kind of start slow, and I'll talk about Brady here in a couple of games. Actually, that'll be our next one. But uh, the Packers here, I've got some stats. Uh, obviously, I'm taking Green Bay to lay the points. I think they bounce back in a big way, and they blow out this Bears team. I'm not a believer in the Bears at all, and... Um, I got I got stats for you guys here. So Rodgers, after a loss in his career, 35 and 15 against the spread. Rodgers against the Bears in his career, 23 and 5 straight up, 21 and 7 against the spread. <clears throat> what else do we got here? Oh, this is another rookie head coach making his uh, first road start in week two. So we can go back to that trend. Don't have to repeat it. Um, and then also we got here teams in week two coming off a double digit loss in week one. That's the Packers here. 36, 23 and one against the spread over the last 10 years. That is a 61% cover rate. A lot of these 61% trends here we're going to be playing on. Numbers just so happen to work out that way. 
Also, we talked about how Rodgers bounces back off a loss. Matt LaFleur is head coach of the Packers, also 9-0 and straight up and against the spread following every loss he has incurred so far with Green Bay. So, yeah, give me the pack here to bounce back. It's super fucking easy. It's also a massive split here. I talked about buy low, sell high. Um, for some reason, uh, 74% of the spread bets are on Chicago plus nine and a half. Nobody wants to lay double digits with the Packers the way that they looked last week. And, and I guess people want to believe that the bears are good for some reason, because again, they were able to slop their way to a 19 to 10 victory over the 49ers last week. It makes no sense. So with Green Bay at home here in prime time against a horrible Bears team that they consistently beat up, getting 78% of the money and only 26% of the bets on the spread, this is an easy give me Green Bay for the blowout. This will be a Sunday night game that hopefully you don't have to stay awake for the second half. You can get a nice night's sleep going into Monday morning so you're not grumpy at your job. Um, not much more to talk about. You guys know I hate this Bears team, and I've gotten under on their wins. And the Packers, they will bounce back like they usually do. This is the time of year when Rodgers is usually doing his, you know, R-E-L-A-X type stuff. And uh, let's not overreact. Let's, let's hold the line here, and uh, let's stick with Green Bay this weekend. This next game I want to talk about, I just mentioned Brady. We're going to go over to his game against the Saints. The Bucks are favored by two and a half in New Orleans. New Orleans, two and a half point home dog over under is 44 and a half. And just looking at this number, I know who to pick. This is all gut here, guys. This is just picking up on patterns. Uh, the, the Buccaneers have never beat the Saints in the regular season since Brady came over and signed with Tampa Bay. 4-0 in the regular season, the Saints are against Brady. Uh, Brady did get him in the playoffs a few years ago. But, um, yeah, the Saint, this Saints team and the Saints defense just matches up extremely well against what the Bucs are trying to do. Um, I am a little bit concerned. Just got a uh, notification before recording here Friday afternoon that Alvin Kamara could be out this weekend, which I don't love at all. I don't like that, you know, not one bit. That said, you know, as much of a stud as Kamara is, a running back being out of the lineup isn't really going to affect the way that I feel about a game. It's not going to move the spread, and like I will, I will stay emotionless in that. Like I will, it, nameless gray faces running the football for New Orleans. I don't care as long as they're moving the chains. You know, separate the name and the actual act of what you're looking for. Almost, have you guys seen the movie Moneyball? You know that scene where they talk about where it's like. You know, people get caught up in the name or the age or the athletic scores when really we're just looking for hits and runs, right? We're just looking to get on base here. And that's all that's all we're looking to do with the Saints run game if they don't have Kamara. We're just looking to get on base. We're just looking to move the chains. Who fucking cares? I really think that the Saints can pull this off here. Again, you know, Brady hasn't beaten them in the regular season. I do have some stats that will go against me here. A little bit of scary stuff to back up that Tampa Bay side. I couldn't find much tangible, you know, any stats or trends here to back up the Saints besides their success head-to-head with the Bucks. I do have some historical data against New Orleans if you guys want to fade my pick here. The Saints are 3-16 and against the spread weeks 1 and 2. 
going back to 2013. So they do not historically get off to a hot start. They did not cover last week either against Atlanta. Uh, the ref in this game is Sean Hockley. He is fantastic for the road team, going 11-5 and straight up and against the spread for road teams in 2021. Um, last week, I uh, also got the road team. Um, yeah, also got a road team to a 25-19 win last week. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Sean Hockley, last year, road underdogs, 8-2 and two against the spread. Doesn't apply here, but it goes to show the love for the road teams. Under 10-5 and five last year uh, with Hockley, 44.9 points per game. That's right where this line is set, 44.5. I'll lean towards the under here, and again, I think it comes back to this Saints D matching up well against the Bucks offense. Um, the Bucks offense, all their receivers are questionable this week. I think Evans and... Julio and maybe Russell Gage will play. Haven't been as tuned in on the Russell Gage side of things. Chris Godwin almost for sure out this game. Uh, what came into the season not 100% healthy, re-aggravated something last week. So he'll be without Godwin. And again, I think I mentioned that offensive line super banged up for the Bucks, and I don't know if they can protect Brady. They're coming off a win and a cover against... Um, the Cowboys on national television, that's a big, you know, headline national audience. I, I don't remember what the ratings were, but millions and millions of people sitting at home Sunday night watching the Bucks easily beat a Dallas team who people thought were going to be good. And then we have the Saints team barely scratching by a Falcons team who is projected to have a top five draft pick this year. Another buy low, sell high opportunity, the Saints at home in the Superdome. Uh, home opener, I believe they were down in Atlanta last week. Give me New Orleans as a home dog to not only cover the two and a half, but win this game outright. The next game we're going to hop over to is a 425 kickoff. It is the Cardinals at the Raiders. The Raiders are a home favorite of five and a half in this game, over under 51 and a half. Cardinals coming off an all-time ass beating at home to the Chiefs. Raiders coming off a divisional loss to a good Chargers team, uh, losing to that Chargers team 25-19. So this was a tougher one to pick initially, and then I found a bunch of trends talking me into the Cardinals. I'm going to go with the Cardinals plus 5.5 here. I think that public perception, again, buy low, sell high. I'll repeat it almost for every game this week. Raiders played a pretty tough, you know, competitive game against a Chargers team that the public is very high on. This Cardinals team, on the other hand, you know, their defense couldn't have looked worse last week, but we know that the Chiefs are going to cook up almost any defense in the league in week one with all summer to prepare. Um, I know that they had their offensive struggles against the Chargers this Thursday night, but a non-conference opponent like Arizona, who's got no help in the secondary and, and, and hasn't played the Chiefs in four years, that's a much different situation than a Thursday night short week against a divisional opponent. So what I'm saying is, buy low on the Cardinals here. I did not come into the season seeing myself being a Cardinals backer. I picked them against the spread last week, and I shouldn't have actually talked myself into thinking that they had a chance to pull off an upset all-time asshole move by myself really that was just a dumb pick and you know hindsight is 2020 I'm going back to the Cardinals this week and it doesn't feel good but I think that's part of why I'm doing it maybe I'm just overthinking this um the Raiders to me 
the Raiders, although on offense, on paper, they got better by bringing in Devontae Adams. It looked like the offense was not really flowing that well. And, and you know, the target distribution, it seems like, you know, Derek Carr may be staring down Adams a bit. And maybe that takes away from, you know, the ebbs and flows of the system and him being able to distribute it naturally. Um, found a lot of data here, a lot of trends to back up Arizona. A lot of it plays into our, you know, week two underdog situation here. So... Week two dogs off a straight up loss with a spread of six or less in week two. Uh, 64, 32, and two against the spread 66.7% since 2005. Shout out Sean Green for supplying me with that trend on Twitter. Thanks, Sean. Uh, week two dogs off a straight up loss since 2015, 61.5% against the spread. Teams in week two coming off a double digit loss in week one. The Cardinals off a blowout loss to the Chiefs, 36-23-1 against the spread in the last 10 years. That is a 61% hit rate as well. And then Week 2 underdogs that failed to cover by a touchdown or more in Week 1, 53-38-2 against the spread, 58.2% since 2005. Also on this game, quick note, the over is 74%. Excuse me, the over has 74% of the cash and 60% of the bets. I like this game to go over that 51.5. I like the Cardinals to cover and potentially pull off the upset. You know, I know nobody really saw this Raiders team starting the season 0-2. I talked a little bit over the offseason as far as, you know, me kind of lowering on both these teams going throughout the summer, really, the more that I looked into the rosters and the schedules and the situation. I, these are two teams that I was a little bit lower on than I think general consensus over the summer. Um, and I, I didn't see myself picking the Cardinals two weeks in a row. I said that already, but I think that I have to in this situation, just things are playing out to me where I, I, I think that the public still views this Raiders team as being a playoff team from last year that got better over the off season. And to me, I'm not sure if this is the same team due to the co the coaching change. I mean, that was a weird situation. They were kind of a Raiders versus the world last year when they fired Gruden and had the interim and got hot over the back end of the season to sneak in. And, you know, I don't know. It's um, it, it's a weird spot here. I will say the Raiders 14-31 and 31 against the spread is a home favorite since 2005. So after all the trends that I've just gone through, I'm going to take the Cardinals here. Although it does feel a little bit gross considering Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury just so inconsistent and not really someone I came into the season thinking I would back. But pick on that one, Cardinals 5.5, and, and I like the over quite a bit, 51.5 as well. This next game here, I think I'll probably move pretty quickly through. I don't have many trends or nuggets here that apply considering both these teams won in Week 1. But we're talking about the Dolphins and the Ravens. The Ravens are at home. They are favored by three and a half here. The over-under is 44 and a half. And this is, again, this is a gut call. I'm taking the Ravens minus three and a half. Um, I mentioned that trend on uh, rookie head coaches in their first career road game in week two, 12 and six against the spread their last 18. That applies to Mike McDaniel here, but I'm going to take the more experienced team, the more experienced head coach. I think Lamar Jackson has a chip on his shoulder. I think that the more physical team wins here. Um, I think that maybe perception on this Dolphins pretty high right now, considering they just 
you know, pretty handedly, you know, just just beat the shit out of the Patriots last week. 20 to 7, that game really never was a competition. And I think that the public is going to say, well, they just beat the Patriots. Patriots are good, right? I don't think that the Patriots are good, but I think that that win over them looks better on paper right now than in the end of the season. We'll look back on it and say that wasn't even really a relevant game. And then the Ravens, on the other hand, you know, I, I don't know if perception really went up or down last week. They they blew out the Jets, but most people would expect them to blow out the Jets. So um, I think it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't want to lay the three and a half here. It's really kind of a toss-up game to the general public, perhaps. Well, I see the Ravens just being the better football team here. I will gladly lay the hook. It's something that I've lost confidence in after looking to the cash splits. I will say that there is a little bit of a funky discrepancy here with the Dolphins getting 61% of the spread handle with only 51% of the bets, and they're getting 68% of the money line handle with only 41% of the money line bets. So I guess there's some money out there taking Miami on the money line for the upset at plus 155. I won't bet against the Ravens until I see a reason to. I came into this season super high on them. And while I do like the Dolphins to be better this year and to be able to win football games, I don't think that they're ready to beat the upper echelon of teams in this league. And I consider the Ravens to be, you know, if not in that upper echelon, you know, right in the conversation. So I'll take Baltimore minus three and a half at home. Next game I want to talk about is the Seahawks and the 49ers at 4.05 on Sunday. The 49ers go home after losing in Chicago last week as a 6.5-point favorite. This week they're a 9.5-point favorite over divisional rival Seattle. Seattle coming off that blow-your-load game last week against the Broncos on Monday Night Football. Uh, the over-under is 41.5 here, and... This is a tough one for me to pick because, to be honest, I don't want to lay nine and a half. I don't want to lay double digits with Trey Lance after the way that uh, that this this offense looked last week. But I have told myself, throw that game out. It was in a monsoon. You know, it doesn't. It didn't matter. Like no offense was going to look good. The only thing is, there's an eighty percent chance of rain in San Francisco this week too. So this could be another sloppy track here, and I don't know. You know, if San Francisco is going to look like a different team this week or if that's just kind of what the offense is. And it, it really kind of sucks. Seattle played a lot higher than a lot of people, um, a lot of people's expectations last week. Uh, but I, I can't bet on them this week after, again, blowing their load on Monday night against the Broncos. There's no way they show up on the road here after that huge emotional nationally broadcast game. So I'm going to pick the 49ers. I called it 9.5. It's actually down to 8.5 right now, opening at 10 this week and, and some some action coming in to drive down uh, Seattle. But I think that's public action, and, and, and I will be a contrarian here no matter how bad it, it hurts, to be honest, as you can hear me struggling to get through this breakdown. I'm seeing 81% of the bets on Seattle with only 67% of the money. So there's some sharp action coming in on San Francisco, despite only 19% of the spread bets or spread betters being willing to lay that large number. I'll take San Francisco here. I will buy low on the 49ers and Trey Lance. I will sell high on the Seahawks coming off 
that revenge game versus Russ. Um, but this one is tough. And with the weather, I mean, if we're talking an over-under of 41 and a half and 80% chance of rain, it's going to be co- hard to cover an eight or nine point spread. So I don't know if I can talk myself into betting it. But for me, this is Seattle, excuse me, San Francisco. Fuck, was that a Freudian slip, guys? Did I just Freud the shit out of myself here? The pick San Francisco, but fuck, who who knows if I can really, really buy into this one. I will say lastly, uh, Shanahan 5-7 and seven straight up, 2-9-1 and one against the spread as a divisional favorite. So if you like Seattle here, maybe do it. Maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I can't shake some sort of bias here. Maybe the play is Seattle with the points here, but I won't do it. So I guess my pick is San Fran. You can tell this isn't a high confidence one. Sorry, guys. Next, we're going to break down another divisional matchup here. We have got the Colts heading down to Clown Town, Jacksonville, where their season ended last year in Week 18. The Colts are a road favorite. This spread opened 4.5, now down to 3.5 as we sit here Friday afternoon with uh, some sharp betters coming in and taking the Jags here, I guess. Over under 46.5, it opened, I believe, down to 45.5 at the current moment. So, um, yeah, it's it looks like a short number, but it's not a short number to me. You know, I think Joe Public says, yeah, four, four and a half, three and a half, whatever, it's not a big deal. The Colts don't do well in Jacksonville. I mean, the Colts really, their September trends fucking weird i talked last week about how they just don't do well in week one and now they get their their week two you would think on for most teams at jacksonville pretty easy schedule or or theoretically spot on the schedule but first off playing um road games in florida in september is not easy i've talked about it some of these home teams here it's part of the reason i was on miami last week some of these home florida teams in the heat when it, when you're getting a 90 percent humidity or a 90 degree day or whatever the fuck i'm not a meteorologist down there in florida and you're talking about a dome team from indiana or you're talking about a team from boston last week with new england these northern teams traveling down into that southern heat it's it's still the summer right now guys this isn't fall weather it's part of the early season conditioning thing here these teams these athletes are not in peak shape right now it's only week two it's another angle that i play on in high elevation um early in the season with denver so um, it's tough to pick a road team coming down to Florida here. The Jags are getting, uh, what is it? Three and a half now. And I have to take Jacksonville with the points as gross as it feels. Um, the Colts, uh, not, uh, no success in Jacksonville recently. Oh, and seven straight up in their last seven trips to Jacksonville. The Colts are also one twelve and one against the spread in their last 14 games in Jacksonville. That's 14 years. One cover. Holy shit, what's going on down there? Uh, the road, or excuse me, the home team is 9-0 and in the last nine matchups between the Jags and the Colts. I mean, holy shit, dude. On top of this, the Jags off an outright loss here. Week two dogs off a straight up loss with a spread of six or more. Stop me if you've heard this before. Uh, 66.7% since 2005. Week two dogs coming off a straight off loss since 2015, 61.5% against the spread. Also, no Shaquille Leonard again this week. Unfortunately, Colts can't get their best defensive player back. And uh, their number two wide receiver, Alec Pierce, uh, rookie out of Cincinnati, is also going to be out this Sunday 
Michael Pittman, their number one receiver, who received a 30% target share last week, questionable with a quad injury. I expect him to play, but the fact that he missed practice, I think both Thursday and Friday this week, as a late addition to that injury report, not good. Just not a whole lot of shit going in the favor of the Colts here, unfortunately. Their offense did not look good last week, and that was against the Texans. Yeah, you can say they caught out, came out sleeping, but... I don't know if they're going to be able to just all of a sudden fix things and become a more explosive team uh, with, again, no Alec Pierce and, um, excuse me, Michael Pittman banged up. uh, Not really any weapons on that offense besides Pittman and Taylor. And the defense, again, not healthy with no Shaquille Leonard and some other guys banged up. Yeah, I got to take the three and a half here. I just don't think I can really lay too many points with the Colts until I see them kind of gel a little bit more, specifically offensively. So I'll take the points with Jacksonville here uh, down in Clowntown. Next game we're going to break down is the Patriots at the Steelers. The Steelers are a two and a half point home dog after coming off an overtime win. Really kind of shocking everyone except for me last week. (laughs) Um, Beating the Bengals in overtime 23-20. The over-under in this game is 40 and a half. Leaning towards obviously a physical defensive battle here. I would say the under is a safe assumption. And... I got to be honest, I came into this episode here with my notes put together, ready to make the case for the Steelers to win back-to-back games here as an underdog. I thought we were getting insane value getting them even as a dog here. I thought they should be favored. I looked into it a little bit more. That line is fishy here. You know, New England being favored doesn't make sense to me, which kind of caught my spidey sense and made me look into it a little bit more. The Steelers right now, Coming off another kind of blow-your-load game last week, um, managing to win in a, a, basically a full overtime period against the Bengals. Um, typically, you know, trends of uh, uh, teams in early season coming off of overtime, not great the next week. I don't have the hard numbers in front of me, but it's a profitable angle. Um, on top of that, uh, Steelers... Uh, Blow your load game last week, and then a look ahead to the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football. I don't know if it's the biggest look ahead spot because I know that the Browns, it's Jacoby Brissett, and I don't know. It's still a huge rivalry. It's a huge rivalry rivalry that those two organizations take very seriously. And in a divisional sandwich spot here with New England coming off a loss, it's another buy low spot on New England. I know I just talked a couple picks ago about how they're not good. Um, but that said, um, I think I have to uh, zig and zag here again. I think I talked myself into New England minus two and a half as the pick here. It's really unfortunate. I love betting on this Steelers team. And again, I was trying to make the case for it. But I think with that divisional sandwich spot, the fact that the Steelers are coming off a win, New England is coming off a loss to the Dolphins last week. I just talked about how that those Florida teams early in the season have an advantage. Maybe that some of that is baked into New England's lackluster performance in week one I think I have to take the Patriots to bounce back and get a win here with Pittsburgh just maybe maybe being a little flat here I hate to say it because it's their home opener but maybe coming out a little flat considering the divisional sandwich spot I have to do it um 
I'm seeing 80% of the cash on the under and only 61% of the bets on the under here. So again, if I have to give you uh, you know, a concrete pick for this, I think I like the under out of anything in this game. Uh, little nugget to back up my Patriots angle. This is another team that is coming off a double-digit week one loss, and that trend 36-23-1 against the spread over the last 10 years, 61% hit rate. I will take the Patriots begrudgingly here. I don't think I can bet this because, again, this is something that I just recently changed my mind on. I might go back and forth. But some funky line movement, it changed from 1.5 to 2.5, despite New England only getting about 40% of the action here. I just... I got to go with the Patriots. This is more gut. Um, my It's like my head is saying... Uh, Steelers and my gut is saying Patriots so I'll, I'll go with that for this one this next pick I am not wavering at all I am picking the Carolina Panthers to beat the New York Giants with confidence the Giants are at home they are favored by two and a half the over under is 42 and a half uh, the Panthers coming off the uh, Baker Mayfield Bowl last week uh, walk-off field goal loss against the Browns Giants kind of busted their nut last week. It's not like that was a special game or a rivalry game or anything, but a 13-point second half comeback to win on a walk-off two-point conversion and a missed field goal. Pretty emotional win. Kind of a dump-the-Gatorade moment for the Giants last week as uh, Brian uh, Big Balls Dable, as they're calling him over there in New Jersey, you know, dancing in the locker room with the team, getting his first win. I mean, whoop-de-doo, Dable, but you're going to lose this week. It's, it's crazy how quickly that momentum can be ripped away from you in the NFL but the Panthers are going to come and win this week this is another team that fits a bunch of our week two dog trends here week two underdogs that lost straight up as a favorite in week one 32 20 and two against the spread 61.5 percent in their last 34 games week two dogs off a straight up loss 61.5% since 2015. Week two dogs off a straight up loss with a spread of six or less. 66.7% since 2005. Give me the Panthers here. I got a couple trends for you Giants guys if you want them. The Panthers are 0-8 against the spread in their last eight games. I don't care. It was a different team, and they were starting the corpse of Cam Newton for half those games. Also, Baker Mayfield, 18-30-1 against the spread in his career since becoming the starter. That is the worst record in the NFL of starting quarterbacks. I also don't care. He was on the Browns that whole time. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess the Panthers aren't that much of an upgrade, but it's just, it's more about public perception. I think that the Browns had a lot of heat on them in the gambling community, community over the last few years. Again, perception versus reality. That's just kind of the name of the game here. On the other hand, you know, buy low, sell high. Uh, Once more here on this episode, Giants off a loss, Panthers off a win. That evens out this week. Both teams will find themselves at one and one. Give me the Panthers on the road underdog money line on Sunday. Moving from one shitty New York football team to the other, let's just go ahead and knock out the Jets game here. They head to Cleveland as a six and a half point road underdog. The Browns favored at home over under 40 and a half here. And honestly, I mean, these are two of my um, two games that I'm going to be looking to bet. I mean, I buried them in this episode here game 10 and 11 that we're breaking down because I don't think that, you know, public interest is that high. But from a gambling standpoint, these are two pretty strong angles for me. I'm taking the Panthers in that last game with pretty high confidence. I'm actually going to recommend betting on the Jets this weekend with relevant 
confidence here, guys. I mean, it never feels great to talk about it, and I'm going to sit here and put myself out there quite a bit by saying go and pick the Jets, but yeah, I think this is another, I mean, the Jets got blown out last week. I totally get it. Um, That was a good Ravens team. They weren't going to win that game. Uh, the Browns won last week, but they barely snuck by. I mean, they, they almost blew um, a 13-point fourth quarter lead, and they had to kick a walk-off field goal. The offense clearly limited. You know, Jacoby Brissett's not going to win you any games. He's just going to hopefully avoid losing you football games. Uh, the over-under 40.5, lowest of the week here, I think it's for good reason. I fully expect the under to hit in this game based on the way that both offenses looked last week. A lot of running, a lot of ground and pound in this game. Could be some gross weather as well. I believe in Cleveland, not 100% sure on that. But uh, this Jets team fits a lot of the criteria for uh, underdogs. And first off, I get why you don't want to bet on them. They're 12-26-1 against the spread on the road the last five years. Joe Flacco hasn't won a road football game since October of 2019. Don't fucking care. Throw it out, guys. Week two underdogs who failed to cover by seven or more in week one are 61% against the spread since 2005. That fits the Jets, Cowboys, and Cardinals this week. Week two dogs off a straight up loss with a spread of six or less, 64-32 and two against the spread, 66.7% since 2005. Week two dogs off a straight up loss since 2015, 61.5% against the spread. Teams in week two coming off a double digit loss in week one, 36-23 and one against the spread the last 10 years, that is a 61% cover rate. Week two underdogs that failed to cover by a touchdown or more in week one. Oh, I just read that one there for you guys. Um, that is a yep, yeah, 58.2% cover rate since 2005. And uh, yeah, the under in this one, I mentioned I like 67% of the handle, only 53% of the bets. If this game is going to go over 40.5 and you're going to give me a six and a half with either team, I'll gladly take it. Uh, maybe a live upset. To be honest, I'm, you might you might find me picking the Jets as one of my live dogs this Sunday. Uh, I know that sounds fucking ridiculous, but they got to win a couple games a year. And this Cleveland team is vulnerable, man. This Cleveland team is not a powerhouse. We have we're talking about Jacoby fucking Brissett laying six and a half points. In what you know multiverse is Jacoby Brissett laying that big of a spread to any NFL team, any team at all? Um, give me the Jets plus six and a half. It's too many and what's, what's going to be a gross, sloppy, low scoring game where uh, neither team can bust this open by more than six and a half. Give me the Jets. I, I like this one quite a bit. Give me the Jets. Gross. Four more games to break down. Next up, we are going to cover the Atlanta Falcons heading out to the West Coast to take on the LA Rams. The Rams are minus ten and a half over under 47 and a half this line's actually down to nine and a half opened at ten and a half being bet down a little bit and i gotta say i'm willing to lay the points with the rams here i know that they looked horrible against the bills um if you guys don't know the bills are really fucking good at football i think the rams figure out their offense i know that um again back to the offense they couldn't block anyone and nobody was open but cooper cup or at least that's what it looked like. I think that there's just a little bit of chemistry issues between Stafford and Robinson. If I, I looked back, I saw a lot on social media on Twitter this week about 
um, you know, clips of Allen Robinson being open, but just not getting the ball thrown to him. I think they can fix that in LA. I don't think it takes long. I think Sean McVay was ready to absolutely lose his fucking shit last week, getting blown out like that and embarrassed on national television. And I think that the, the Falcons are just sacrificial lambs to the slaughter this week, unfortunately. It's another buy low, sell high on both these teams. The Falcons covering and almost beating the Saints in an upset last week in kind of a blow-your-load divisional rivalry week one nothing-to-lose type game, and now they have to fly out, East Coast team flying out to the West Coast to play in a different time zone against last year's Super Bowl champion. I think the Falcons get the shit beat out of them in this one. If I'm going to tell you to bet anything, I like the under with pretty high confidence in this game. I think specifically how the Rams win this game is by uh, shutting down Atlanta's offense. If the Rams, you know, if their Rams own offense is going to continue to struggle or continue to, you know, lack chemistry there, then their defense is just going to have to win it. And it's very possible. Um, The, under in this game is seeing 85% of the money with only 53% of the bets. It's one of the biggest over-under cash splits of the week. Um, also, the referee in this game is Clay Martin. The under last year was 10-4 and four for Clay Martin, averaging only 43.4 points per game. And he was also 1-0 to the under last week. He was the official in that 49ers-Bears game with the lowest total of the week last week, easily going under. I know it was a monsoon, but Come on, guys, stick with me. Also, teams in week two coming off a double-digit loss in week one. That's the Rams here off a blowout loss to Buffalo. 61% against the spread the last 10 years. A little bit repetitive in this episode, I know, but there are a lot of ripe situations for the picking here. Buy low, sell high. I will say it over and over again. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the Rams until I see them um, losing to bad teams. And Atlanta, I still think, is a bad team. So I'll lay the big number here at home. Let's talk about the Bengals and the Cowboys. Dallas is a seven and a half point home dog this week, hosting your defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals favored by seven and a half, over under 43 and a half is the total. And I've got some trends here that apply to uh, the Cowboys and why you should take the Cowboys on the spread. And I'm going to get them out of the way, and then I'm going to tell you why you should ignore fucking all of them and pounce on the Bengals. So week two dogs off a straight-up loss uh, since 2015, 61.5% against the spread. And then a couple other trends you've already heard that apply to the Cowboys in this game. Week two uh, off a double-digit loss, uh, 61% last 10 years. Week two dogs failed to cover by more than a touchdown in week one, 53, 38, and 2% against the spread, 58.2% since 2005. I don't care. Okay, Dallas is playing with a backup quarterback. The Bengals are off a loss to the Steelers where their offense looked horrible. They've got shit to fix. They've got frustrations to let out. Joe Burrow is 10-2 and two against the spread off a straight-up loss. Give me the Bengals. It's as simple as that. They will beat the shit out of this Cowboys team. I picked up the Bengals' defense for my fantasy league. Um, I think they could score a defensive touchdown or two here. Cooper Rush is the starter for the Cowboys. Their offense is pretty depleted. Their offensive line is not healthy whatsoever. They've got a rookie and a couple backups in there outside of C.D. Lamb and uh, pretty sturdy tight end at Dalton Schultz. They really have no pass-catching weapons at all. And Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard can't get anything going, again, with not much of a downfield passing threat and a mediocre to below-average O-line. 
this Bengals team, again, just big bounce back spot, big time. This is the perfect situation for them to bounce back and just beat the fuck out of Dallas. Maybe lay an alternate. I mean, this bang the Bengals could win by fucking 25 this weekend. I hope I don't eat my words, but seven and a half. Are you kidding me? That's nothing. This team wins by double digits easy. Last two games. We have got a absolute battle of powerhouses here. The Commanders take on the Lions. The Lions favored in this game, minus one and a half at home, over under 49 and a half. You guys have probably heard on the mainstream media outlets this week. This is the first time that the Lions have been favored in 24 games. That's pretty insane. Um, and yeah, that's that's got my attention here. And I kind of want to take the Lions here. I want to pick them. I mean... Uh, maybe they're a favorite for the, for a reason, I guess, you know, maybe their, their offense did look pretty good last week. A lot of it was garbage time where Philly was nursing a 17 point lead in the second half, but they can move the ball. Thing is Washington can move the ball a little bit too. I mean, Wentz, Wentz looked okay last week. I think he threw four touchdowns and, uh, they got some receivers here, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. I think there's going to be points in this game. I think that's my main takeaway. I want to tell you guys to take the over in this game. 49 and a half. I've seen it at 48 and a half here. And yeah, I think points, points, points here. I really don't feel too confident in a spread pick either way. I think I'm going to take the commanders here plus one and a half. I'm not ready to take the Lions as a favorite. And maybe that'll be wrong. I don't see myself having a bet in this one. Um, but I've got some trends here. Some apply to both teams. Some apply to just the Lions. I'll give you the data. You can make your pick yourself. But uh, trends applying to both teams here. Okay, since 2005, teams that scored 28 or more points in week one, they're 39.4% against the spread in week two. However, we can't use it because they play each other. Also, teams that missed the playoffs the previous season and also scored 28 points in week one have gone 23-45-4 and four against the spread. That's 33.8%. Again, it fits both of these teams, and they're the only two teams that it does fit this week, so we can't use that. However, these two trends only fit the Lions. They're both uh, going to be piled onto teams that scored 28 in week one, and then the second criteria is going to be they also allowed 28 or more points in week one. That's a stat that is 15 and 25 against the spread, 37.5%. And teams that scored 28 or more points in week one that won six games or fewer in the previous season, they're 10, 25, and 2 against the spread, 28.6%. And those apply to the Lions where they do not apply to the Commanders in this spot. I think that we're still getting... Um, <clears throat> The Lions are like almost kind of like America's team or America's like, you know, people want to pick them as like the sexy underdog team this year because of hard knocks and because of Dan Campbell. There's a lot of stories. They're a fun team. I mean, hard knocks was electric this year. There's no denying that it was just football entertainment at its best. Um, so that's, I think that the commanders are maybe the least enthralling team to bet on right now. I think Carson Wentz's stock probably couldn't be lower aside from a decent performance last week. And I don't think this team even has fans anymore, really. I mean, <clears throat> if you grew up a Redskins fan, I'm curious how you feel about this at this point. Like, 
I know that you're angry that they're, they're not the Redskins anymore. I know a certain percentage of the fan base wanted them to remain the football team after that. If we can't be the Redskins, we'll be the football team. I don't think the overall reaction from, from the fanhood in the community was positive when they were named the Commanders, and I don't think the reaction was overwhelmingly positive when they traded for Carson Wentz. So I'm really curious who is going out of their way to not only root for this team, but to bet on this team. I guess I'll do it here. From a personnel standpoint, they're not that bad. And again, a lot of factors telling me to kind of, you know, pump the brakes on the Lions hype because they really haven't done anything yet. And for some reason, the betting market seems to like them quite a bit. So official pick will be Washington plus 1.5. Realistically, I like the over in this game. So, you know, do what you will with that information. But if I'm taking anything, it's it's over 48 and a half. Last game pick of the week, we got to talk about the Texans and the Broncos. And this Broncos team, I was saving them for the end because Nathaniel Hackett stresses me the fuck out, guys. The guy gives me so much anxiety. I can't believe Denver found a way to to fucking piss that game down the toilet last week in Seattle. Um, I didn't pick that. Well, I didn't have a straight up bet on that game. I didn't give you guys an official gambling pick on it. You know, blah blah blah. But I did have an open parlay from the weekend. I had a six legger that was t- plus twenty six hundred that would have paid out if the Broncos money line had cashed. I didn't even need them to cover the six and a half guys. I just needed them to fucking hit a field goal at the end of that game to win it. And they still managed to fuck that up. I could do a whole episode on how horrible that clock management was, was guys. You've probably heard enough about it throughout the week by other media outlets that you listen to. So I'm not going to rant too much, but holy shit, dude. You had three timeouts in four minutes. You need to move like 25 fucking yards to get into field goal range. And you fucked that up after just paying a quarterback $230 million. What the fuck are we doing, man? I don't want to overreact, but I am going to overreact. This guy shouldn't be the head coach of the Broncos. After one week, that guy if I'm the owner of the Broncos, that guy's already fired. That guy's cleaning out his locker Tuesday morning. I know it's a fuck. It's that's a horrible way to run an organization, to run a business. You can't just fire a guy after one season, let alone one game. That's a fireable offense. If you pull that shit, you don't know how to coach football. You don't know how to manage the game. Maybe just delegate him to offensive coordinator and bring in somebody like Romeo Cronell, who's fucking 75 years old at this point, who actually knows how to manage a football game and be a head coach. You know, this guy's not ready. So. That being said, I'm going to pick the Broncos to cover the fucking number here. It doesn't feel good. Um, I just think, again, I'm going to buy low and sell high in every opportunity I can this week. I still think this Broncos team has a lot of potential. You know, if you look at how that game actually played out, they squandered the ball twice on the goal line. They could have easily scored two or three more times in that game and busted that open and beat the Seahawks fucking 31-16 if they were smart about it. Again, that comes back to coaching, so maybe they do find a way to fuck this one up too. But the on-field talent is there. The situation is there. The buy-low-sell-high is there. We're seeing a Texans team that just tied the Colts. That was kind of a blow-your-load week one, nothing-to-lose, home underdog divisional rival game. I don't think they can repeat the kind of emotional boost that they got there uh, in a relatively random road matchup in Denver. I talked during my breakdown of the Jags and the Dolphins games how I like those those Florida early season um, high humidity games to play on the conditioning 
uh, element, and I, I liked this Denver team early in the season in high elevation going against lesser-conditioned opponents here. Also, Russell Wilson, 28-16 and 16 against the spread off a straight-up loss since his second year in the NFL. Uh, his rookie numbers don't support my argument, so I'm not counting it. And <laughs> um, rookie head coaches, Nathaniel Hackett, in their home opener where the spread is 3.5 points or more, they cover at a 69% hit rate. So I will take the Broncos here begrudgingly I don't know if I can bet this one either some of these spreads are a little bit funky this week with these big numbers so early in the season but yeah yeah it's uh it's gross but I'll take the big number here I will say um referee Carl Sheffers this does not work in my favor if you like the Texans here you go here's a little incentive home teams under Carl Sheffers last year nine and seven straight up but only six and ten against the spread and home favorites four and nine against the spread in games ref by Carl Sheffers last year so maybe the fix is in maybe Houston continues to be you know a value in the market here and continues to cover big numbers um, but I'm going to once again buy low, sell high. Hopefully that's the last time I say it on this episode. Denver off a loss, Houston off a tie where they were expected to get blown out. I'll, I'll, I'll go against it and I'll lay the number in Denver, high elevation, Russ off a loss. Um, give me the Broncos, but it doesn't feel great. And I'm still very, very, very angry about Nathaniel Hackett's just piss poor guy. Play one game of Madden, dude. Just pick up the sticks once. And figure out how to use your goddamn timeouts. And figure out how to... Dude, you're, you're that confident in your kicker to hit a 64-yard field goal on the road that you would rather do that than go for it on 4th and 5 when you just paid Russell, Mil- Russell Wilson 230 mil. Like, are you kidding? Do you not hear the fucking words that are coming out of my mouth here, Hackett? Um, ridiculous. Ridiculous, dude. I, the 13-year-old me playing fucking Madden 05 on my PS2 could have told you that that was not the way to handle that situation. So I don't know what the fuck this guy is doing. Um, hopefully he learns from it because Jesus Christ, I can't watch that shit again. That's it for the episode, guys. I love how we ended on an angry rant here. I'm all worked up. Thanks a lot for that, guys. Um, Let's hope we're as good this week as we were last week. I mean, holy fuck, guys. 12-4 and against the spread, 13-3 and on over-unders. I won't be able to repeat it, but let's hope we can stay hot here. And let's keep taking advantage of this this early-year market and how, you know, some of the perception of... You know, all the work I've done and all the work you guys have put in over summer, uh, a lot of these schmucks out here are still catching up to it. So let's stay hot here in week two. Let's get it on. Thank you guys for listening. As always, good luck this Sunday. Make sure to follow Sunday morning on the Instagram page at SGRPod for all the final picks and videos. And also my top three spread over under and upset picks of the week. And until then, guys, until then, uh, please do me a favor and ramble on.